welcome to Campus Beat. While students reached for the stars at Inquiry with Queens just in the first week of March, others are reaching for the stars quite figuratively in their research here at the university. On April 8th, Queens University announced that some of its own have discovered for the first time that Polaris, the star commonly known as the North Star, is host to a remarkable magnetic field. And with us to chat about this new discovery and its astronomical impact is PhD candidate James Barron. Welcome, James. Hi, thank you for having me. Thank you so much. So tell us a little bit about yourself and your research here. <clears throat> um, so I'm a PhD student in the Department of Physics, Engineering Physics and Astronomy. Mm -hmm. um, my research centers around um, uh, stellar magnetism and trying to understand the impacts of uh, magnetic fields on stars and their evolution. Fantastic. And now remind us about Polaris and its astronomical significance in history. Well, Polaris is a really, um, really interesting star. I mean, it's particularly well known, I think, to the general public. If you ask sort of your average person uh, to name some stars, I think Polaris would be one of the first uh, that they would uh, be able to name. It's in, it's interesting to observe because um, it's uh, directly over the uh, North Celestial Pole, which means it lies almost directly with Earth's rotational axis. And this means when we observe Polaris during the night, it appears to remain almost stationary and uh, other stars to seem to uh, orbit around it. Indeed, and it has had uh, much literal lore, too, in many, many old books, for example, stories of sailors being able to use that star to navigate their way across oceans, too, right? Yeah, it was um, particularly important, uh, uh, as you say, in use as a, in celestial navigation in, in the past. And now, what draws you to studying the star and uh, Cepheids overall? Uh, and what differentiates Cepheid stars from other stars? Um, so Cepheids are a type of evolved star, um, which they begin their lives as uh, massive stars. They're usually um, five to ten times the mass of our sun. And as they evolve, they grow in radius. And so their radius are tens of times. Uh, the sun, and because of their internal properties, um, they pulsate. And Cepheids are particularly important in astronomy and in cosmology because there's a relationship between the period of their pulsation and their brightness. And astronomers, astronomers are able to use this relationship uh, to measure extragalactic distances and measure the expansion of the universe. Okay, thank you so much. And uh, what draws you to study of this particular star? Is it something that you've always wanted to study even as a kid? Uh, so uh, my study of Polaris comes sort of more generally from my study of Cepheids. And um, in doing my work over the past couple of years, we came to realize there's a real lack of understanding about the magnetic fields of these stars. Um, which mm -hmm. is surprising considering their importance in, in astronomy. And so a lot of my research is trying to fill in these gaps of our knowledge. Um, so uh, my work is trying to systematically study a large sample of these stars, <clears throat> about 20 of them, and Polaris being a Cepheid and being the brightest and closest uh, Cepheid uh, was included in this sample. Okay. And, and now you just touched on it. And thank you again for that. Uh, tell us more about magnetic fields. What are they? Um, so, you know, I think 
if you think about magnetic fields, we know that, for example, the Earth has a magnetic field. We, if you have a compass, it will point towards magnetic Earth or magnetic North. And so, in the Earth, the field is generated uh, by convection, by uh, uh, <clears throat> motion inside the Earth. And the same thing happens in stars. There's uh, motion of the gas in the star, which generates these magnetic fields. And we see that in the sun, uh, for example, solar flares or magnetic spots. These are all the result of stellar magnetism. Okay. And how did you come to discover the singular magnetic field of Polaris? That's a huge discovery in your field. Yeah, it's very surprising that for being such a bright star that it hasn't been observed before. Uh, this is partially because Polaris is difficult because of its location in the sky for many telescopes to study. So there aren't many telescopes that do these types of observations. Um, we obtained our observations using the Canada-France Hawaii telescope. This is a telescope uh, that Canada is a partner with. It's located on uh, Mauna Kea in Hawaii. And so as part of our program of observations, uh, we obtained the observation uh, last year. Mm -hmm. All right. And, and for, for folks too, like getting access to some of these very rare telescopes that are available for use for folks like you around, uh, around the world uh, that are studying in this discipline, uh, tell us a little bit about the logistics of even making arrangements to be part of uh, or be able to access those telescopes. Yeah, so uh, the Canada France Hawaii telescope is one of the only telescopes in the world that has the instrumentation to make these kind of magnetic measurements in stars. And it's a very competitive process to get time uh, to use it. So much of our time is, is dedicated to writing observing proposals, which we submit to telescopes and experts will evaluate uh, your proposal and the science that you wish to do, and they will allocate you time uh, to use the telescope for your observations. <laughs> And uh, just out of curiosity, what happens when you do your booking and it's a cloudy night? Uh, well, I mean, that's always a risk in, in astronomy. There's uh, been many, you know, observing campaigns that, uh, you know, that don't go the way, way you want. So it's part of the job. <laughs> Interesting. All right. Thank you so much. And now let's learn more about the research impact and what new research questions your discovery has motivated for you and your team. Yeah, so... Um, so we're really looking, trying to look at how magnetic fields will impact uh, the evolution of Cepheids, how they'll impact things like their winds, how they'll impact X-ray emission, how they might interact with their pulsation, and trying to see if we can better understand uh, the evolution of these stars and maybe better understand um, if that has any impact on how we make uh, these distance measurements. Okay. And now I also understand your team will now start to map Polaris's magnetic field. What does that mean in practice and what will mapping ultimately accomplish? So uh, when we obtain the observation of a star, we just see um, one phase of the star. So stars rotate. And so magnetic fields are three-dimensional structures. And in order to reconstruct that three uh, dimensions of the magnetic field, we need to observe the star um, as it rotates. So we need to obtain many observations over a period of time, and mm -hmm. we can apply our models and obtain a three-dimensional map of the magnetic field. All right, thank you. And, and what's exciting you most about the next steps in your research? Um, well, I'm just excited to, uh, to finish this 
finish the survey and then we'll be able to do a, a large scale analysis um, trying to understand uh, the relationships between different properties of Cepheids, other stellar properties and their magnetic properties. And will this have any research impact on where you'll be moving after your PhD? Uh, well, almost, almost certainly. I mean, I hope to continue uh, working in this field after, uh, after my PhD in a postdoc position, um, maybe directly related to Cepheids or maybe in, in some other field in, in uh, stellar magnetism. <laughs> Thank you so much. Anything else to add before we close today, James? Uh, no, I think we covered everything. All right, folks, we have been chatting with PhD candidate James Barron about his recent discovery of a magnetic field around Polaris, otherwise known as the North Star, a huge astronomical discovery. Thank you so much for joining us and giving us your time today, James. Thank you so much for having me. Welcome back to Campus Beat. In our next segment, we're chatting with Lauren Forney and Jessica Rosales of the, about their inquiry at Queen's presentation, Music Theatre on Zoom, Significance in Integrating Virtual Performance in the Lives of Older Adults. Thank you both for joining us. Hi, thank, thank you. you for having us. <laughs> All right. So starting with you, Jess, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and, and your program of study here at Queen's? Well, I'm a fifth year student at Queen's University. I graduated last summer with a bachelor in music theater and I added one more year so that I could also graduate with an honors bachelor in the arts, I'm majoring in drama. I'm very excited to graduate this, this um, spring. And yeah, it's, I'm just, I also make music with my brother. I, I've really enjoyed my, my life at, at Queen's University. Fantastic. And how about you, Lauren? Yeah, so I'm in my fourth year of my undergrad. I'm majoring in psychology and I'm also in concurrent education. So next year I'll be coming back to do the teacher program here. Fantastic. Congratulations to you. Thank you. Well, thank you both very much. Okay, so tell us a little bit more about your collective interests in music theater and how and how you came together to collaborate on this uh, particular inquiry at Queen's project. Let's start with you, Lauren. Yeah, so this collaboration was really interesting because we all have a passion for the arts, but we're all specialized in different areas. Like as Jess mentioned, she has a really strong drama background, whereas I'm more focused on dance and Emma and Frank are both music majors. So with all of our uh, different talents, we're really able to bring something else to the project and it was a really great experience working together. Wonderful. Jess? Yeah, well, I, I think we all just got really lucky. Uh, uh, Colleen um, Renahan reached out to me to collaborate on this project with her uh, so that we could all be the research assistants. And yeah, as Lauren said, it's it's been really amazing because of all of our varied experiences and skills. Uh, I, I, I think that they're very open in in allowing us to have our own opinions and and share our own thoughts as we as the project develops and it's just it's a very wholesome it's just because it's not just a collaboration amongst us the team but also a collaboration with all of the participants um it's 
just so, so special. <laughs> Great. Thank you very much. Now, can you talk about music theater in the virtual realm and the role of participant observers in the setting, as you talked about in your presentation for Inquiry at Queen's? Jess, take it away. Yeah, well, music theater now uh, virtually has actually been very accessible for, for our project in particular. Um, it just has been really, uh, it has allowed all of the participants to feel a lot more comfortable with the, with the art of music theater and performing in the comfort of their own home. I think it, it allows for there to be more freedom with them. And as uh, for us, the observers, it also like creates, um, it allows us to observe in a more discreet way while still participating, but they don't necessarily feel like they have eyes on them when they're performing in their room uh, virtually. So, and and they have choices to turn off and their, their camera or, um, or things like that. So it's just, it's really accessible um, and, and welcoming. And I think that it should definitely be researched more and I, it would be nice to see more of those projects um, in the future. What are your thoughts, Lauren? Yeah, just to add to that a bit, um, the virtual platform ended up working really well for um, the senior demographic because it's so easy to participate from home and not have to worry about certain mobility issues or, you know, having to isolate for COVID. That was mm -hmm. what happened to us. We could all still participate. And I think it is a lot more comforting to participate from your own home because it can be daunting to join a group where you don't know anyone, but to be able to be in your own house, participate, but also be able to mute your mic, turn off your camera. It just made for overall a much more accessible experience. And I think the participants and ourselves really enjoyed this format. Fantastic. And now what are the main conclusions that you drew from your research and your presentation and, and, and what did you present at the, uh, Excuse me. I'm going to reframe the question. Uh, so what were the main conclusions that you drew from your research as you presented in your paper, Music Theatre on Zoom, Significance in Integrating Virtual Performance in the Lives of Older Adults? Lauren. Yeah, so as we kind of mentioned, we all really um, decided that we liked this virtual platform, that it was really accessible and a really great way to participate in musical theatre from a different light. And we also... Um, just really noticed how much the arts have a positive effect on people's mm -hmm. lives. Just starting your Monday morning up singing and dancing um, with all your, these colleagues in this community really just made for a really positive experience. And we would love to see more studies incorporating musical theater um, because musical theater doesn't have to be being in a show or performing mm -hmm. at this huge concert. It can just be singing and dancing in your own space. So we would love to see more studies incorporate um, accessible musical theater in this way, um, just because it has brought so much positivity to our lives and the participants. Okay, and Jess, do you have anything to add there? Yeah, I guess I, I would just add, and I, I mentioned this in the presentation as well, um, something that I really took away from this experience was valuing how important the, the arts and the performing arts music theater uh, is on on the older demographic and I just you know when I when I would think of things like diversity in, in projects I would always think of the LGBTQ community and um, BIPOC folks and I never really considered age as a as a factor and I 
and being a part of this, this, this project was very eye-opening for me. And I was like, wow, like art is for everybody and is needed by everybody of all ages. And it's just so amazing to see the positive impact that this project has had on our participants and seeing them grow, uh, throughout this, this, um, these sessions is, is really amazing. So, yeah. Wonderful. And now let's hear a little bit more about your collaborative research process. How did you actually come to your conclusions? How did you do the work? Jess, take it away. Um, we were very lucky to, to work with Wynne Paul, who is one of our, our co-workers, and he kind of took the lead in, in this project with us, uh, guiding us and, and everything. And um, uh, we all wrote out, uh, we all started just with a reflection, each of us, on what this project means to us uh, presently and how we're going to take it with us in the future. And we kind of just connected all of our conclusions together with a lot of meetings. Um, and eventually we just worked together putting it on a, a Google slide. Like it was all very collaborative, but also had its moments of, of reflectiveness and everyone taking in what it means to them and us just putting it all together. Great. Lauren. Yeah, when we um, when we came when we wrote our own answers, we really got to see okay some of the main common themes that we all agreed on, but we really got to see some other unique points. Um, what certain people found mm -hmm. more impactful than others. Uh, we really focused on advantages and disadvantages in the virtual space. So we outlined um, kind of why we thought this was a good idea and maybe some of the challenges because. As much as we loved um, this virtual space, you know, there are tech issues and, you know, it's hard to see people on the screen all the time. So we made sure to bring up that. Um, but yeah, just really, this was definitely a group effort and it was really great to hear everyone's opinions. And now for your group, there were other members as well, uh, Ms. Emma, Emma Patterson, as well as Frank Yang as well. Uh, what, what do you think you're going to do potentially collaboratively together to move this project forward? Or what might you do individually to carry this uh, experience that you've had with this research and presentation uh, onward to future studies or future careers? What do you think? Yeah, I think um, just taking each of our experiences from this presentation and bringing it forward with us in future collaborative projects and just thinking about the process of this and how um, this lean coding process works really well. Maybe we can use that in the future. And I think for all of us, um, this positivity of musical theater will stick with us. And I would love for everybody to um, get involved with more projects like this in the future. So I think that would be really neat. Jess. Yeah, well, I mean, exactly what Lauren said. And also, I mean, we're currently working on a on a project within Raishine Singh. We're going to create a, a special video for the end of the sessions, uh, which is another project that we're doing, um, just to highlight all of the beautiful moments of this year. And uh, afterwards, I mean, yeah, there's so much positivity that this project has brought to us. And it's also just, you know, opened so many doors for me in terms of like, I'm going to graduate soon. And, you know, there were so many moments when I was like, what am I, what am I going to do after I graduate? But this, this is something that's very, that that's made me realize, like, there's so much more to art than just performing. Like, it's so much about giving and, and I don't know. I just think that this, this project has, is something that we'll, we'll all carry with us. Uh, no matter where our paths 
take us. Oh, but well, that's a great way to end the program on such a positive, warm note. Thank you. Folks, we've been chatting with Lauren Forney and Jessica Rosales, who presented at the Inquiry at Queen's Conference in March, and they presented a paper called Music Theatre on Zoom, Significance in Integrating Virtual Performance in the Lives of Older Adults. Thank you both for joining us and sharing your insights about your presentation and the work that you've done this year. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you.